Welcome to Stories with Soul. I am your host, Jamie Ice, musician turned entrepreneur and co-founder of 6th Ave Homes and 6th Ave Storytelling. Over the past 10 years, I have launched multiple successful businesses and have become obsessed with all things entrepreneurship and marketing. I've been on a personal quest to unpack what it takes to make and grow a great brand. One thing that I've discovered is that stories are powerful and that storytelling has the power to set a brand apart. Join me as I dive into the stories of the heavy-hitting leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and business owners in our community to hear their biggest wins, greatest losses, and their best business secrets. There's a story behind every great brand. Welcome to Stories with Soul. Stories with Soul is brought to you by my company, 6th Ave Storytelling. In 2020, we launched a marketing company on a mission to encourage entrepreneurship and make starting and growing a small business easier than ever before. Since then, we have helped hundreds of small businesses and entrepreneurs grow their brands by giving them the tools, resources, strategy, and support they need to craft and share their stories. If you are thinking about launching and growing your own brand, schedule a meetup with me today. I would love to talk to you. Head over to 6thAvStorytelling.com and let me show you how the storytelling approach can transform your marketing strategy. This episode of Stories with Soul is brought to you by TCU Neely Institute for Entrepreneurship and Innovation. They're ranked as one of the top entrepreneurship programs in the country, and they live by the Neely promise to unleash human potential with leadership at the core and innovation in our spirit. The Institute has recently launched the Horn Frog Investment Network, which leverages the expertise and experience of entrepreneurs, business leaders, and investment professionals. They source, evaluate, and invest in the next generation of innovators. Crazy cool. And as an entrepreneur myself, I know the importance of finding great help. It can truly make or break your business. Luckily, as Fort Worth entrepreneurs, we have access to some of the top up-and-coming minds in the nation. If you're a business looking for talented students and interns, visit the Neely School of Business website to learn more about the Entrepreneurial Intern Scholars Program. They're actively looking for placements for their incredible students. They're doing amazing things, and it's exciting to see the next generation of entrepreneurs grow and flourish right here in our city. Welcome to Stories with Soul. I am your host, Jamie Ice. And today, for today's episode, I'm joined by a very special guest co-host, the lovely Melissa Ice. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Who happens to be my wife. Yeah, we know each other pretty well. Yeah, yeah, she is a... (laughs) Jimmy is stepping out for a little bit. And so I was like, Melissa, would you like to join me on this? And you were also really excited about our guest today. I was. Selfishly, I wanted to be here. So I am excited to have my friend Patrick Cadu join us, who, who is, is a Fort Worth entrepreneur. Uh, he is the founder and CEO of Supply, a direct-to-consumer brand that offers premium shaving, skincare, and grooming products for men. Basically, y'all have like the coolest craft razor ever. You like design this beautiful. We're going to talk, talk more about that. Uh, but he bootstrapped the idea of Supply in his spare bedroom to a nationally recognized brand that has served hundreds of thousands of customers around the globe. Uh, Patrick and his wife, Jennifer, appeared on ABC's Shark Tank and walked away with a deal that accelerated Supply's success. They have received accolades from GQ, Men's Health, The Wall Street Journal, Business Insider, and more. I was doing some Googling last night and there's like hundreds and hundreds of, <laughs> of articles and, and BuzzFeed and all, all these magazines talking about what you guys are doing. Uh, but prior to starting Supply, this is fascinating, Patrick was an engineer in the F-35 
International Strategy and Business Development at Lockheed Martin Aeronautics. Uh, BuzzFeed said uh, is is a shaving razor christened the Cadillac of razors. Uh, so, and, okay, and we have some big news, which which, which is, it may not be news. Like you're announcing this, and I think I want to start here. We're going to kind of start with like eating dessert first is sort of a little reverse engineering. Yeah, reverse engineering. Like we're going to talk about like cake before we have dinner. But you just sold the company. That's correct. I did. Which is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Big deal. That's, and that's like every entrepreneur's dream <laughs> is to start something, make a living doing it, doing it, have it be successful, have hundreds of thousands of people that love it, and then sell it. And so you're, we're how many weeks now into, into that? We are, we, we closed on August 1st. Today is what, early September? So we're like five weeks into that. So this is yeah. like, you're, this is a brand new deal. Well, this you, is a new chapter for me. I mean, that's I, like, what's, what's crazy about it is I saw you, you came to like the Sixth Avenue Homes house show. We had a little house concert the other day and, and we were talking about business and you were giving me advice about hiring people. Little did I know <laughs> you were like, see, you either had already sold it or were like a closing that week or like. I, I was probably about to, I, nobody knew just yeah. Jennifer and I, and maybe one or two like really close business friends, mm -hmm. you know, like you never know what's going to happen, if it's going to close, if you're going to get it across the finish line. So I, nobody knew until the documents were signed and the money yeah. was in But I think it was like that week or something. Maybe. And you did not say a single thing. I was a little, <laughs> I was a little offended. Yeah, this was like July. <laughs> I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't think we had closed yet. But congratulations. I, I mean, we're going to get to that. Yep. But I mean, how does it feel like that, that is like the, the American, the entrepreneur's yeah. dream yeah. Yeah. to have an exit? Yep. And to have an exit that like that went well, like, can you talk about just how you feel right now? Yeah. I mean, there's not one emotion. There's a lot of emotions. Uh -huh. I mean, you could probably, both of you could think about like, you could just put yourselves in a world where you're not, you know, in charge of or leading the strategy, the vision, building, whatever it was you currently are building. And mm -hmm. um, so there's, there's some sorrow in that. There's too. a little bit. And I wouldn't say it's sorrow for me. And I, it's funny because I've read a lot of blogs and I've talked to other entrepreneurs. Everybody goes through like this post kind of sale kind of process where you're mm -hmm. kind of, who am I? What am I doing with myself? Um, for me, it's not sorrow. It's just like, what's next? And mm -hmm. we, we kind of joked, I, I joked earlier, you know, it's like, I don't even necessarily know what i'm good at because <laughs> we do I ask your personality and you're like i don't even know anymore yeah well so i ran supply for seven years and i actually i'm still running the business yeah so they're um, keeping you on correct yeah and i'm going to be doing that for a while um so there's no major changes coming to my life right now i mean there are but i'm still you know mm -hmm. still running the brand all my employees came over so no major changes. but some of the pr the pressures oh the pressure's off mm -hmm. i mean in, in that regard i mean so the, the overwhelming, yes, what the emotion is, the overwhelming emotion is gratitude, mm -hmm. uh, uh, relief in some ways. I wouldn't say relief, like, like bad things are happening, but just, mm -hmm. you guys know, just running something, there is a weight on you all day, Always, every day. Yeah. We were talking the other day about how, you know, I'll wake up at 2, 3 a.m. and just immediately I'm thinking about employment things, about inventory issues, about technology problems. Yeah. And, I woke up at 3 this morning yeah. and sent emails for an hour and a half yeah and you said you get up and you start working on those things i can't do that i gotta go back like i gotta get sleep or it's gonna be a rough day so like i spend an hour or two hours thinking about those things yeah. while i try to fall asleep so anyways um there is a sense where that weight has been lifted you know jennifer my wife and i we started this business and so it's your baby 
our baby. We bootstrapped it. It's all our capital. We raised no outside investment, even though we got a deal on Shark Tank. We can talk about that later. So, you know, it's all of our money on the table. It's all of our work, sweat, blood, mm-hmm. tears, you know. Um, and so there's the more the company grows, the more chips you push on the table, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't really, at least with an inventory-based business, meaning I sell physical products, you don't really take chips off the table when you build a company. You just keep putting them in, buying more inventory. Chips meaning money? Money, yeah. Okay. So, so if there's profit in a e-commerce business, a lot of, unless you're just like throwing off cash like crazy mm-hmm. and you're growing, you know, if you want to 2X your sales next year, you have to buy 2X the inventory yeah. to hit those sales. So most so, of the time. So, so as the business grew, you're reinvesting everything. Is yeah. kind of what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. So you may be profitable. And this is, this is just a uniqueness of an inventory, like an e-commerce or, mm-hmm. you know, a, a grocery store or a liquor store down the street. You know, they, you know, you have to, you may be profitable, but if you're growing your cash flow, your cash flow is almost nil because it's all going back into inventory. Mm-hmm. So anyways, um, there was just a lot of chips on the table in, in terms of, you know, uh, our work and our, you know, our, you know, personal finance finances and, um, mm-hmm. It's nice to kind of have those. It's interesting because this new chapter, I get to run the company, but without the, without like the stakes being so high for me personally. And yeah. they're, pro- they're probably investing in it. Yes. Correct. So you have more cash to play with. You yep. can like, cause they're buying it with the, with the assumption that they can scale it even correct. bigger. Yeah. And if they want to scale it. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole goal for them is, yeah. hey, we think, you know, we can 10X this business as opposed to 2X, you know? Right. Um, Are you a small business owner or an entrepreneur? Do you do marketing for a small business? If so, I have something that I want to give you and it's totally for free. We've put together a free resource at 6appstorytelling.com slash download. And it's the secrets, it's the tips, it's the tricks, it's the tools of the trade. It's literally everything we do at 6appstorytelling to help small businesses grow. Go download it today at 6appstorytelling.com slash download. This episode of Stories with Soul is sponsored in part by Project 202, the leader in experience-driven software strategy, design, and development. Whether you're looking to build a new software solution, redesign your mobile app, or kick off a digital transformation initiative, Project 202's customized approach creates solutions that work for your customers. Customer experience drives engagement, and cultivating that experience requires a ton of attention and time. Project 202 is local and has 18 years of design leadership. This team is an expert in using customer-centric methods to build compelling data-driven customer experiences. Wherever you're at in your business journey, the diverse team at Project 202 will guide you from idea to execution. Go to project202.com. That's P-R-O-J-E-K-T-202.com and click contact to begin winning the hearts of your customers and exceeding your business goals today. But then there's the identity piece of this is my identity. This is my baby, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely the identity piece. And for me, it's less about like I associate myself with the business and more maybe I associate myself with the job and just kind of being leading something and just Mm -hmm. having. Also, your persona is the e-commerce razor guy. (laughs) It is. Yeah, Yeah. it is. You're kind of, you're like a a men's health, men's health, I don't know, men's beauty, is it a beauty product? 
Yeah, yeah, beauty, grooming. I say grooming. You're grooming. an influencer in that space. <laughs> like your Twitter. Yeah. Like kind of Twitter famous. Yeah, a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Like you have like 20,000 people that follow yeah, you on yeah, Twitter. I don't know you, why. Because you talk about e-commerce. I talk about e-commerce a and lot. And make like shaving videos and yep. stuff. And so yep. like, will yeah. you still be the shaving e-commerce guy? I mean, for <laughs> as long as I'm still running supply, yeah. I will be um, for sure. Um that's the other thing is like, what, you know, who, who am I? You know, it's like, I kind of built this persona around this, this product. And so if, if, the, if you kind of take that product and that industry away, it's kind of like, well, what's yeah. next? And I'm not saying like, if you go to the supply website, mm-hmm. like your Facebook feed for the next month oh, yeah. will be your face getting <laughs> shaved. And I'm sorry for that. <laughs> I have all these retargeting ads and yeah. stuff. And it's like Patrick shaving about like, I love it. Which is important, though, because every brand needs a face. People, you know, people want to buy from someone they know, they trust, Mm -hmm. you know, and they they know you now. And so they trust you. And so they keep buying from you. And so that's neat that you you stepped into that that persona because it's not just a persona or an alter ego, if you will. It's it's kind of the necessity of starting something. It is, I think. And you guys both know personally, um, I kind of reluctantly stepped into that role as the leader because we found in our advertising, there's a reason you get a bunch of ads with my face on it. It's what works. You know, people, um, and, and like the things I'm saying in my ads, I'm not making up. They're real. Like I'm telling the story, like I invented the product to solve a personal problem. I've Mm -hmm. put, you know, blood, sweat and tears into this company so that I can get, sell people something that I believe will help them. Uh, give them a better experience. So it's all it's all meaningful, real things. But, yeah, and people but, and people by people. Exactly. And when you yeah. when you have like that's the whole premise of what we're doing at Six Seven Storytelling, the marketing mm-hmm. company is like is telling stories yep. and showing real people in real life doing real like people relate to that. Yep. And so people are like, I trust you. Yep. You have you had the same problems I have. You solved them. And when you speak about it, like so uh, so I was yep. I was saying that in jest, but yeah, also yeah. part of your identity is like it is. You're right. <laughs> Yeah. You're right. Famous <laughs> shaving guy. Yeah. Which I never would have guessed, but you know. Which is, okay, so I, let's... Such is life. So we're going to... We'll, we'll talk a little bit about how that deal went down and all that, all the stuff. We'll come back to that. But take me... So you were originally... What, where, where are you from originally? Are you from... Grew up in Houston. You grew up in Houston. Yeah. And how long have you been in Fort Worth? So I moved to Fort Worth after I went to school at uh, UT in Austin, and that was in 2008. I came here to work for Lockheed Martin on the west side of town. Okay. So you've been here since 2008. Yeah. 2008. And yeah. we're, we're kind of neighbors. We're like, yeah, down the couple, street. Couple, mm-hmm. Down the street. Yeah. Down the road. Um, and then at Lockheed, so were you engi- like an engineer on jets or were you selling them? A little of both. I started my backgrounds, uh, my degrees in engineering, mechanical engineering. So I started my career there more on the engineering side. Meaning you're like making, designing um, <laughs> parts? I don't even know what that means. No, really. for the, the, I worked on projects. So uh, it was more project engineering. So, you know, we were the guys in the, you know, white collars kind of planning the projects, okay. you could say. Um, and... So that was kind of the first half of my career there. And then the second half, I transitioned to what's called business development. And, um, you know, uh, happy to go into it. But the short story is, you know, when we make jets, when we, I say we, Lockheed Martin makes jets, and we, the American people, United Mm -hmm. States of America, uh, on the west side of town, a lot of people don't know this about Fort Worth, but on the west side of town, you know, the world's most advanced fighter military aircraft is manufactured piece by piece it's assembled on the west side of town in white settlement that's cool so the most advanced technology in the world is sitting you know like the stuff we just saw in top gun is oh it's more so than that um 
So really cool. So that's something cool that most Fort Worthians don't know about. I didn't realize it was assembled here. I knew yes. they were like scientists designing. There's an assembly line there. There's probably I've been gone so long that I'm out of touch, but there's probably, you know, 100 jets sitting on that assembly line right wow. now in various stages of construction. So um, anyways, when so they make those jets, they sell them to the U.S. government, but they also sell them to allied governments around the world. Mm -hmm. I don't know the count anymore. It's probably like 12 or 14 governments that that jet is sold to. So I worked on the, the campaigns to to, you know, basically pitch these jets to foreign countries like How uh, much is Korea. A jet? Uh, they're like a hundred million bucks starting. You know, <laughs> so if you want the options, crazy. you got to go up to one hundred and fifty. But one hundred and fifty million dollars. So you were working on the campaigns. Yes. You want to buy this one hundred fifty yeah. million dollar? So at that time, like South Korea was a customer um, that I worked on. Japan was another one. Israel was another one. There's a lot of other customers now, I'm sure. But and your role was what, like, like marketing sales. Like so it's technically pitch. sales, but it's not sales like you think sales You're is like. We're not cold calling anybody. Yeah. We're we're participating in negotiations and writing proposals, very technical proposals. And mm -hmm. so the customer who's the the government of Korea, you know, says, Hey, we want to know all these things about your jet. And then all the engineers go and kind of write, Okay, this is what Here's you need what to it, know. And then let's work together. You know, think about buying a car, all the research you do, and then multiply that times, you know, 5 million. You know, yeah. it's, okay, where are we going to park this thing? You know, how are we going to charge it at night? You know, mm. um, how is it going to do exactly what you need it to do? So there's a lot of back and forth between so Lockheed Martin, the U.S. government, and their government. And so we were part of that. And that were you, like, and, and during that time is when you sort of had the epiphany for supply? Yes, Walk us, yes. walk, walk me through that. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I have been doing a lot of reflect, reflecting, you know, after you sell, you get, you know, kind of like nostalgic. <laughs> nostalgic and, um, you know, there were some pivotal moments with some, some, actually some coworkers there. I worked with a lot of really smart people. I can kind of like blend in and act like I'm smart, but mm. I worked with really smart people. Okay. Um, and so there were a lot of, there was one particular coworker that was really pivotal to my, to launching this company because he was just kind of helpful and advising and, and encouraging mm -hmm. it. Um, anyways, and, uh, and not on Lockheed time, by the way, on our own time. Yeah. <laughs> Disclaimer. Lunches, lunches and after work. Uh, anyway, so, um, I had the idea that the long story short is I, um, have never been able to shave with a multi-blade razor. So like a Gillette, you know, the five, six, 12 mm -hmm. blades without you know getting a lot of bumps and, and razor burn right here yeah and, and i'm assuming you have to be clean shaven to sell jets and work at lucky yeah it's not it's not like a rule but everybody is I'm a, yeah yeah and you're working with a lot it's of a military clean shaven guys culture it's a clean shaven culture yeah. so jamie um, might not I, fit I am in not no sorry buddy <laughs> <laughs> but he's the like, other persona that's why i don't shave i haven't shaved yeah. in probably like 20 years because every time i shave i'll get all yeah. the bumps exactly it's hard yeah. So I thought this was just like a personal thing, but the more I did research and the more I talked to other people, it was also a thing that a lot of people had problems with. Um, you know, come to find out, we've done a lot of surveys, you know, um, roughly kind of a third of guys have problems shaving with multi-blade razors. Um, so went down this rabbit hole. There's, if there's a niche 
uh, you can find it on the internet. And there are forums where people talk about shaving. Believe it or not, that's all they do is they talk about shaving. So, um, and especially with these old style razors, these kind of what our grandparents use, single blade yeah. safety razors. The only thing that existed prior to like 1980 was a single blade safety razor. And it's called a safety razor. Because <laughs> it was, at the time it was invented, it was more safe than the alternative. Than like the big blade. Exactly, than a straight razor, straight, okay. which is, you know, the... Yeah. What's the musical? Uh, um, Sweeney. Sweeney Todd. Yeah, thing. Yeah. 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 So there were straight razors. And then in the early 1900s, there were safety razors. And there were okay. two types invented. One is like the screw. You may have seen like it's it's called a double edge. It's got a thin little blade. You kind of screw this little cap on. And uh, that's one safety razor. And then there was this other version called an injector razor that was invented by Schick. And without boring you with all the details, they don't make injector razors anymore. I used an old one. I fell in love with it. You and like found one? Yeah, they sell, you can buy them on eBay, like vintage okay. razors. And cool. you clean them up, pop some blades in them, and fell in love with it. And I thought, they don't make these anymore. These are amazing. I should make these. So you <laughs> went down the rabbit hole of like... I went deep. Into these <laughs> forums and stuff. What, what I just told you was just the surface. Yeah. Uh, I went deep. Okay. Yep. And so bought one. Bought, bought one, used it, thought... And this was... Um, I don't know. This is probably the... the um, I don't know, uh, thing maybe I regret most about my business. And, and like, it's always hindsight, like 2020, yeah. you know, I didn't know what the, yeah, I didn't know anything about starting. Tell me the regrets. Business. I'm excited. for. <laughs> I like regrets. I picked a really hard product and okay. a really hard industry. Um, product to make? To make, to sell. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at the time it was just like, oh, this is, this is great it's a felt, idea. It's a felt need. Yeah, it's a great product. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, you know, my, the extent of my business plan was, I think it's a good product and people need to buy it. You know, there was no other. And you're the customer. You're, you're, you're the customer. You're a customer. It's right. a real problem. It's a real need. <laughs> and so, so it's, you bought this and you're like, no one's making this. I yeah. should make it. Were you entrepreneurial before that? Were you like. Not in any meaningful way. Because typically when I think of an engineer, yeah. it's not. No. Starter. It's not a start and not they're risk adverse. Yes. Yeah. And this is very risky. <laughs> I had, I was risk averse. I had, I had like <laughs> flex of, you know, kind of entrepreneur in me that I kind of always felt were in there, you know, kind of buried deep inside somewhere. I just didn't know what it meant. I, re I remember very distinctly when I, when I decided, okay, I'm going to start this business. The most, what I could imagine about all the most difficult things that it would take to start a business was, just actually starting the LLC. Like, how do you actually, like, <laughs> that was so foreign and, like, that was an insurmountable task to me. Okay. T turns out it was just some paperwork and a few <laughs> hundred bucks, you know? Yeah. But, like, I, that's how little I knew about entrepreneurship okay. um, was I don't even know what it means to have an LLC or what that those letters even mean. So, yeah. Uh, anyways, we're kind of all over the place. But, um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I had the idea. I, I, I got the product. And uh, I basically, you, you made that product? Yeah, so like I, I basically spent about a year trying to kind of redesign this product in a way that could be manufactured. On your computer? Are you like whittling metal? <laughs> <laughs> well, I took my knife and a little piece of stick. No, um, no but seriously, like, yeah. I don't know how that, like making a product, I don't know how that, yeah, yeah. a metal thing. Well, it was very foreign to me at the time. I was making it up as I go. Were you like using CAD? Is yeah, CAD. So I did have experience in CAD, um, being an engineer, a little bit of experience in, you know, light you know, manufacturing. I mean, I knew about manufacturing because you're putting fire the, the, jets, the but, plans together for these jets and yeah, you but, get this bolt. And yeah, the problem I figured out was like what I knew about that was 
really not didn't applicable. translate. Yeah, it didn't really translate. I mean, it <laughs> was helpful. Already, you're but, like millions and millions of yeah, dollars with the government's yeah, credit it's a card. Yeah, little, little tiny razor. Um, so I designed a CAD, and over probably a year, I did what I call, you know, guess, guess and check, you know, which engineering is kind of guess and check. You know, it's like make a design, you print it out. I have the benefit of 3D printing. Oh, that's cool. Um, so, so you, know, you were you 3D it printing it. Yeah, you, you print a prototype. At the time, I didn't have a printer, so I used a service that you kind of send your design off to called Shapeways, and they send you really, really phenomenal, you know, um, uh, time to be an entrepreneur. You know, you send them the, the designs, they send you back the, the prototype, and you kind of try to use it, and you're like, well, that didn't work, or that didn't shave, or that, you know, X, Y, Z, make a little more tweaks, send off a new prototype. And did you have a vision in your head of kind of what it would look like? Roughly, because it, cause it happened over time. Very distinct, yeah, cle- like uber clean, clean lines. lines. That that happened through this process okay. I'm telling you about. So that, it wasn't were, that wasn't in your head? You kind of it you stumbled upon that. As yeah, the pieces of it were in the head, but I wouldn't say like I woke up one day and was like, "This is what the product needs to be. This is what it needs to look like." Mm-hmm. You know, it was kind of an evolutionary process over, I say a year, but it was probably more like eight months. And was your was your wife like he just has this hobby? <laughs> <laughs> was she, it was it was it for yourself? Or were you like I'm gonna, this is a business? I'm gonna. Oh, uh, God bless Jennifer. She has always been my number one supporter and fan, and never, I don't think once has questioned, you know, like or you know, said this is a terror. She's always just like you know, what do I need to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's my co-founder. You know, we, I didn't sell the business. We sold the business. Okay, we own yeah. the business 50, 50. Um, I was, you know, the, the leading force behind it and the, and the CEO. Um, but she was behind me all the way. Um, and probably going didn't in, always understand everything, but. But going into it, y'all were like, this is a business we're starting. No. So that goes back to like, regrets is the wrong word, but you know, I didn't go in with any real business plan. I went, so after I finished the design and the prototypes and I got to a place where I thought, okay, this is a sellable product, Mm -hmm. which turns out it wasn't really, it needed more work, but we went to Kickstarter, which is, you know, a crowdfunding platform where Mm -hmm. essentially you, you put an idea on there and you say, Hey, if you want this product, cool product, nobody makes it. I want to make it. Wouldn't you like to pre-order this product is essentially you, you you pledge. Were you back? What year was that? That was 2015 was our first okay. campaign. So, yeah. so Green River Ordinance, one of our, we were one of the first bands to use really? Kickstarter in 2010. That was like when nobody knew what Kickstarter No one, was. yeah, no one, yeah. And people, people loved, like we funded our Under Fire album. We just left the record label and it was neat, but people loved. That's great. The, the buy-in that yeah. comes with that. Yeah. Like, hey, you get yeah. to. It's a communal effort. Yeah. Support yeah. this idea. It's really designed for for products and stuff like what you're doing, but it was it was a a big part of sort of our yeah. evolution of people getting to buy in and support a thing. So you, so you made yeah. a bunch of you made a bunch of designs. You had yep. a concept or a product. Yep. Took it to Kickstarter. Yep. And Correct. did did someone tell you to do that, or did you just sort of? I don't really remember. I don't think I knew any other way to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was uh, we needed to raise what I thought we needed was. Um, twenty thousand dollars turned out that was you know not even close to what we needed, but we ended up raising like eighty thousand dollars. Which is were you freaking out? That's a lot of money. I thought I was like retired. You know, it was like <laughs> eighty thousand. How many people? How many people was eighty thousand? Uh, maybe it was like two thousand people. So, no, no, because the the products 
I mean, our products are definitely higher priced. And at that time, they were even higher priced. So I think it was like 800 people, 800 maybe. People. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but people are like, you're, it was affirming. Oh, yeah. Because people were excited about this yeah. concept. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, we got covered uh, by, I don't know if you all know the website Uncrate. I don't know if yeah. it's a thing anymore. It was big I at the time. Uh -huh. But I, I'll never forget. We Like, I can see it visual. My memories are very visually. We're sitting, Jennifer and I are sitting with our computers on the island you know, in our kitchen, you know, launching the campaign, it's launch day. <laughs> and then um, just randomly we start seeing like a ton of pledges come in and we're like, and you can check the back end analytics and we're like, oh, we're clicking links. And when we see ourselves on the front page of Uncrate, we're like, <laughs> so that's kind of what they somehow picked it up. They picked it up. That was like and, your, your Good Morning America moment. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. At that time, they were, I think they covered Kickstarter campaigns a lot more. I don't think they do. Nobody really covers campaigns anymore. Um, but that was kind of the, the initial kind of fuel that, that lit the fire. So I think we did 20K the first day, mostly thanks to Uncrate. And Which is your goal. So you're like, that I was can, our goal. I yeah. can make this this thing, this yeah. dream is can be a reality. Yeah, I thought I was off to the races. But it sounds like you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a message behind that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it took me like another two years, basically, to deliver what I what I had promised to people. It, it, it was, took you. It was a little less than two years. It was about a year and a half. So it uh, turns out it's a lot harder to make things than, than you imagine they are, um, especially something as complicated as a razor, which we don't have to go into it, but, you know, it's, it's a very precise product. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at your razor, you see, you know, what, regardless of what razor you use, you know, the, the spaces and the gaps and the pieces are all really tiny and everything has to be perfect or else, you know, we're talking fractions of a millimeter if it's wrong it doesn't work it well like cut your face or it slices your face up yeah <laughs> so you know you know i was real naive going into it and we basically used a manufacturing process that was really not suitable for um making precise things and i also used a, a vendor uh, i didn't know how to make stuff you know you have to go to i tried to get a bunch of u.s manufacturers to take me seriously Nobody takes a kid with an idea seriously, you know, an $80,000. This episode is sponsored by the Fort Worth Business Press. As a Fort Worth entrepreneur and small business owner, the Business Press is my favorite source for news and updates about the entrepreneurial community in and around Fort Worth. I read their email newsletter literally every day. It's always full of insights and stories that really matter. Are you ready to be more connected? Sign up for their free newsletter at fortworthbusinesspress.com. But... If you're like me and the newsletter just isn't enough, you can become an insider. With the code STORYTELLING10, all one word, you'll get a discount on the insider membership. Insiders receive exclusive access to special content, 24 issues of the business press delivered to your door each year, and discounts on event registrations and more. Join me and the Forward Business Press in staying up to date on the people, companies, and issues that matter most to Fort Worth. This episode is brought to you by my good friends at Visit Fort Worth. Visit Fort Worth is the official destination marketing organization of the 13 largest city, and I would say the greatest city in the United States, dedicated to promoting Fort Worth as a premier business and leisure destination with thriving centers of creativity, culture, and commerce. Visit Fort Worth is the parent organization of the Fort Worth Herd, the Fort Worth Film Commission, Fort Worth Sports Commission, Visita Fort Worth and Music Initiative Here Fort Worth. 
they are doing a lot of amazing things. For more information on Visit Fort Worth, head over to visitfortworth.com and follow them on social at Visit Fort Worth. And there's no, I think I read this quote from you that's somewhere online. It says there's no Google for product manufacturers. <laughs> it takes a lot of grunt work, phone calls, and emails to track yes. down. So you just, you were like, okay, people gave me money. Yeah. I have this 3D printed version of yeah. it. Somebody go make it for me. And what, so you just, did you know anybody in the space? You just. No, I ended up like I called tons and tons of people in the U.S. Um, nobody wanted, you know, most of them didn't return my calls. In retrospect, like I don't blame them. You know, there's a lot of work that goes into setting up a production line. And, and they so, probably don't know what a Kickstarter is. Yeah, so. yeah. And, you know, $80,000 was a lot to me, but it's nothing to them. You mm -hmm. know, or 1,000 units, 2,000 units is nothing. So, uh, you know, in desperation, you know, I'm looking everywhere I can. So I went to, I think, Upwork and just found this guy who was like a, there, there's a whole um, industry of people who are kind of what I call middlemen. There may be a better word for it, but mm. they are, they work with U.S. companies to offshore manufacturing, you know, mm. usually in Asia. So this guy was like, yeah, I'll find you a manufacturer. I'll take care of it. No problem. You know, I'll do everything. And turns out he was, you know, uh, not a very honest guy not a very not very good at what he did and um I'll, I'll never forget he like so we promised like a march delivery of our razors and like he just like kept pushing the, the deadline back and finally he delivered in like april he shows up on my doorstep with like a um he actually himself yeah 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 because they had been shipped to him he lived he lives local okay. here which is one thing i loved about him yeah. you know at least at the time i thought that was a great thing he shows up on my doorstep with like a dolly of big boxes, which is like, he's bringing the razors like today's the day. And like, <laughs> it's a glorious day. We got these things. We're going to ship them. You know, I got friends in the living room, you know, ready to pack them up and ship them out. And, um, and you're having to, and you told your Kickstarter backers, Hey, it's going to be here. By oh, March. Yeah. So you had to keep pushing, pushing that back. Oh yeah. And you know, backers are, they can, they believe in you, but then, you know, they're also like, they don't know you. Where's my so, thing? I where's spent, my thing? Spend a bunch of money for yeah, this razor. Exactly. So, you know, when you start pushing the deadline back, they start to get a little antsy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Jennifer and I still laugh about this. We'll never forget this quote. Um, I had one backer tell me, this is the best, this is the best insult I've ever had in my life. He goes, <laughs> he said, it's, it's clear to me, you and the truth do not collide in reality. I was like, oh my God. what is it? Like, I think that's, I, that's a great insult. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> you and the truth do not collide. You're not a liar. You just can't yeah. collide with the truth. That's great. So uh, anyways, uh, meanwhile, like I'm probably, you know, I'm doing everything I can to, to deliver what I promised. Like for me. You're like hammer calling this guy. Yeah. Messaging. Yeah. For me and, you know, you may feel this like for me my name is what's most important like mm -hmm. if my business fails like fine but like i want to go down swinging and people know and i did everything i could yeah to mm -hmm. to, to do right by my customers yeah, by you're my not vendors. trying to screw anybody no no um but anyways he shows up on my doorstep he drops off the razors yeah today's a great day and were they made in like india they're made in china china yeah. okay. mm -hmm. so you send money was it also kind of nerve-wracking i'm sending all this yeah a lot of money. Just give money and hope that something comes back on the other end. So yeah. it shows up at your doorstep. Shows up at your doorstep. And as he's leaving, he says, oh, wait. Oh, by the way, there's a problem. Like, <laughs> okay. Like, what problem? He's like, well, the blades don't load. 
I'm like, well, that's a big problem. You need to put blades in the razor for them to shave. For it to be a razor. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, oh, we gosh. spent the next probably year. We sent out. They were okay products. They weren't great products. The so blades wouldn't go in them? You had to kind of like monkey with them to get them in. If you've seen a razor, it's got this like loading mechanism, mm -hmm. and it's a very precise thing that's got to work perfectly. And um, so we told customers like how they could kind of like make it work if they wanted to like take delivery but then we also told them hey if you don't want to take delivery of this thing we're going to try again and so we spent like the next i don't remember eight months Did they refund your money again. no um no you you get the money as the creator but and it but, doesn't go but back the, but like you had bought all these razors that didn't oh work. no i he didn't refund my money the I, lost, I lost all that money yeah so you you took all this you got all this money from people yeah you gave it away gave it to <laughs> china middleman guy mm -hmm. He comes back with razors that don't load and you, yep. were you, did you have more money? Did you have to? Like, no, I, I dipped into my, we dipped into our savings to, to do the next round of production. Um, and so we did and probably about two years after the original campaign, we finally had kind of a shell of a business that was set up. And so it took you like three product. years to have the real. Essentially. Yeah. And at this point, you're no longer, you had taken the leap. You're not at Lockheed. You quit your secure full-time salary degree-esque job. Yep. And and that had already happened prior to this? No, I quit uh, about a year and a half after this Kickstarter campaign. Okay. So this whole mess is going on while I'm still working a day job. So you still okay. got, you're, you're yeah. still got income. because yeah. supply ain't paying the bills. Mm -hmm. Not even close. Right. Um. So the first like year and a half. Okay. But you're, double, you're doing double duty. Yeah, for sure. So the blades came. You finally, <laughs> it's like two years later. Yeah. It finally came. Yeah. And I, I read somewhere, let's see, we had blown through, you, you had said we blew through almost two times our original Kickstarter funding. Yeah. That's Three right. times our manufacturer schedule and four times our typical daily caffeine intake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That may that last part may have been exaggerated. Uh, bit, yeah, but. okay. <laughs> but you finally got it, and they were were they they were beautiful. Was it what you had wanted? Yeah, yeah, um, yes. So the answer is yes. We've we've gotten way way better over time. So like iteration one was bad. Iteration two was good. Three was like we're on like version four of the the product by now. Mm. So each one gets better. And, and you like, did a second Kickstarter and a third Kickstarter, right? Yeah, we've done three three Kickstarters. And the oh, wow. second one you wound up raising like two hundred thousand. Yeah, we raised more on the second one. Which is a lot of Yeah. That's a lot more money than um and then I don't remember what we raised on this last one. We actually did another one last year for our most recent version of the product. Oh you did Kickstarter again? Yeah. So Kickstarter's been a big part of your business model. It has. Um yeah, for 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 these products in particular, we have a lot of other products. So we, the razor is our hero product, but we have skincare. You know, we have we're coming out with the beard care line soon, so we'll oh, get you good. some. Um, so we have other products, but Kickstarter is only a good platform for like kind of groundbreaking or like exciting products. Like I'm not going to go to kick, Kickstarter to launch a beard bomb, right? But mm -hmm. Our new, our new kind of generations of our razor have been exciting enough to put them on Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. And was there something like in your mind where you kind of resolved and decided, I'm not going to look for investment. I'm not going to go a VC route. I'm going to, I'm going to go to the people. I'm going to go to my savings account. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of a, a binary, like a black and white at some yeah. point fork in the road of, okay, yeah. when, when you're, when you're at a 
a point where you're like, okay, we need cash. Yep. We need to infuse cash. And then the next step. And you kind of decided against that route. Yeah. Well, for us, it, it was actually a lot more murky than, than just one decision because mm-hmm. we actually tried at least twice, maybe three times. My memory gets a little fuzzy, but at least twice I can recall to raise money. Mm-hmm. Once was with this private investor a long time ago. Not really a story worth telling. And then the other one was on Shark Tank, um, you know, where we got a deal and we actually tried to close the deal, didn't end up closing it. So we tried a few times to raise money. At the same time, though, um, I also didn't want to raise money because, and um, this is just, I think, my personality. This isn't necessarily the, the right way to do it, but I just didn't want anybody else really involved. And in I didn't want to have to, you know, report to anybody else. Yeah. Or, or like something about spending other people's money just I I didn't feel comfortable with um, when I was still figuring out the business. Yeah. You know, if I had like this, hey, we've got this formula where, you know, we do this, we do X, we do Y, we get C, and all we need is more cash to throw on the fire. You know, I would have probably raised more money, but um, we were still figuring it out all the way through, like, basically this year. That makes sense. Um, So, but no, we we didn't end up raising any money. Well, and I think that's, I mean... You're in a you're in a certain seat today, and then there are other people who are in ideation, which now we can watch all of their documentaries of their things blowing up on Hulu. Yeah. But the people who you know are in that ideation phase, and they they're knocking on doors. Yeah. Thinking, I'm about to change the world. Yeah. With this idea. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just a different type of personality. But I think it it's is. neat that full circle. Um, we're not watching your. Hulu documentary yeah. of how <laughs> supply went down in flames, but instead we're have here you the celebrating. Or yeah, the, I have watched the WeWork one. It's just fascinating to the, watch. Yeah. yeah, like his, uh, I don't have that. I don't have that personality. I think I could probably raise money now knowing what I know about starting and running a business and just operating. Yeah, that. my experience, yeah. like I would feel more confident, but I don't think I would have the confidence, you know, six years ago, I would have never had the confidence to say, hey, invest in me because these investors, they're investing in people, not mm-hmm. not really in ideas. Right. And like I wasn't a Were you investor. kind of second guessing yourself that the whole time? Or? No, I just wasn't an investable person yet because I was figuring it out as I as I went. I didn't have mm-hmm. any kind of experience to like be able to convince somebody. You learned everything the hard way. Yeah, exactly. You had no- <laughs> <laughs> what that means is had no- you have done it now. Here you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that means all of your lessons, yeah, or most of your lessons were just. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. Try yeah, this. they really were. And I don't, I don't know another way to do it. Like I went to, I have my MBA in strategy and entrepreneurship, you know, from mm-hmm. SMU. But <laughs> nothing there I learned, you know. I, I don't want to say nothing. There were some really nothing helpful. Nothing I learned <laughs> at school. <laughs> Give me my money back, SMU. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it was a great degree. I'm not. Um, but like. Very little of that was was applicable to like I never opened up an old textbook or called up an old professor. You <laughs> Did know. you meet anybody else in the manufacturing space that helped you? Um, along the way, I met people. So um, my my entire success is based off of people, like mm-hmm. and God's grace to putting people in my life mm-hmm. that helped me along the way. Like every single good decision in my in my career trajectory i mean not every single one but most of them are thanks to somebody either in fact i was just thanking somebody the other day just taking a phone call with me and giving me a piece of advice that turned out to be really pivotal you know wow. or somebody making an, an introduction so like mm-hmm. my manufacturer that makes my razors now was thanks to a random guy 
that I knew, um, I followed on Twitter and I knew about his company. He made water bottles, Soma, uh, Soma, I think was the name or water filters Mm -hmm. started on Kickstarter. Anyways, I emailed him randomly. I said, Hey, I need a new manufacturer. I don't know why I even emailed him, but I said, do you have, how's your guy? And he goes, Oh, let me introduce you. Here we are three or four years later. I'm still using those people. I was going to ask you if you, how, how you found your you're a better manufacturer. Yeah. So it was just, you just emailed this guy who yeah. made water bottles. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I've, I have lots of manufacturers. You know, we manufacture all over the world. We have manufacturers here in Dallas and India and Mexico. And some of them are just like luck. You know, like my mm-hmm. Indian manufacturer, he makes these marble products for me. I think I found them on like, I don't know, Upwork or Google or something or Alibaba, mm-hmm. you know, and just like, well, I'm going to send him some money and hope it works out. Like, I remember that wire, first wire I sent him and like. Really? <laughs> yeah. And like, it just worked out. Did you, you ever know? go travel and like meet him or see yeah, the places? Yeah, did you go to factories? And- I've been to um, our suppliers in China once. I've never been to, I've really wanted to go to our, our supplier in Mexico. I never have. And India, no offense to anybody, I have no interest in visiting India. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't think my stomach would do well with the food. <laughs> It's a crazy place. It is yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah. We went We've been a few yeah. times. Yeah. With some of our friends, we're starting an essential oil company. Yeah. So we went to all these oh. oil manufacturers yeah. down these. And, and glass companies. Glass yeah. bottles. Yeah, 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 yeah. Down these Just, dark alleys. and I'm sure it's a really cool it place. Was, it was something crazy. that I do well there. It was crazy. Yeah. They're some of my best. They are my longest running suppliers. I've been with them since 2016, basically. Wow. That's reliable cool. on time never had a single problem with them and so like that's just kind of in my opinion that's just the grace of god you know like yeah i sent 50 grand overseas and beautiful things happen you that know whereas so wild. the alternative could have been i sent 50 and never heard from anybody again yeah. which you know i've certainly gotten scammed before have, as well have you read um shoe dog the nike story mm-hmm. amazing book it's so, like it, it, anyone who does manufacture, I'm like, you should read that book because it, it, so much of their story was like, was that? Yeah. You send a bunch of money over and you yeah, hope, hope it comes, it comes back, back right. Yeah. Sometimes it comes back wrong and then you run out of cash because a huge part of your business is you is it's so cash intensive. It's cash intensive. You have to like upfront before you have a product, buy it. Mm-hmm. You don't get that product for four months, three months, six months. Yep. And so you don't have any money coming back in yep. on the money you just sent out. And yeah, that's, whereas like real estate, if you're a real estate agent, you're like, I'm just selling this. Yeah. I would love to run a software business or a service business. Yeah. yeah, It's cash intensive. And like, really what, what you're hearing through all of these stories is it's like any other business. It's all about your relationships and taking care of people and, and trusting people to take care of you. Like at the end of the day, the only thing holding my business together is trust and relationships with people like Mm. i could i could get a call tomorrow and my indian supplier could say you know what we're not going to send that stuff we told you we'd send you you know we're going to keep the money there's nothing i can do like i Mm -hmm. can't i can't sue them there's nothing i can do you know the same thing could happen across the world with all my suppliers and really at the end of the day all you have is integrity and trust and and relationships and so i depend on people you know as much as you do how do you cultivate like was there something you did for like you call and check in do you send them letters do you like no it's just (laughs) it's like years of doing what you say you're gonna do uh (laughs) respecting people taking it's it's surprisingly not hard to to make people feel valued you know by just treating them with respect and telling them thank you and telling them when they're doing well one of my hardest jobs one of my hardest 
the hardest lines for me to find as a as a CEO and as a manager and as a uh, you know as a uh, manager of relationships with external vendors is like knowing the line between like expecting excellence and like coming down hard on mm-hmm. things when excellence isn't exceeded, but also like extending grace and kindness and like. So like I have to I have to do both at the same time and it's a really hard line to find. I don't know if if you guys have that same yeah. internal conflict, but I have that probably every day. When treating um, someone like a whole person, you're not just your job. Yeah. You have these external circumstances that you you bring in every day as do I. Mhm. And so how can I humanize you and also hold you to a high standard? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. It's a tough balance. And then also it, run a business at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's this dichotomy because you also want to like, like you said, trust. And trust is like, I empower you to do something. Yeah. And so I feel like I yo-yo all the time of like, I trust you. I empower you. Yeah. Go run with it. Yeah, yeah. I don't care. How, just get, get it done. I trust yeah, yeah. you too. I care a freaking lot. <laughs> now I'm micromanaging <laughs> you and I'm jumping out like. My my team is like, Jamie doesn't care about some things and then he really, 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 really cares yeah. about some things. And it's like, which one is it? Yeah. But that's that's a hard, but you like you probably care a lot about the look and the feel and how it functions yeah. and, and the integrity of the product. Yeah. But you also want to like trust your team to to do what they yeah. do and empower yeah. them to. It's hard. It's a hard. Yeah. It's almost impossible mm-hmm. in some ways. Well, and that's what's <laughs> unique about Shark Tank is that you get this quick moment to to get these people who are well respected in their in their fields mm. to trust you enough to make a deal which is and and you yep. did it How, can we talk about that i feel like yeah, so was Shark Tank, it seems like Shark Tank was always part of your business plan <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of like well, I'm going to win the lotto. Well, it's, it's part of everybody's business plan, yeah. right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's like, I like lotto tickets. I buy lotto tickets. <laughs> really? I think I'm going to win at some point. But it's like, but it's see, like you applied for Shark Tank how many times? Three times. Three times. Three times, yeah. So was in your mind, were you like, I'm going to be like, was that a, a part no. of the plan? No, I mean, it was, it was very, uh, I don't want to say flippant, but um, it was never part of like it wasn't part of the plan it wasn't part of the plan it would certainly be nice like if it yeah. would have been you know yeah. um but i i mean i'll never forget the reason i applied the first time i told people january of 2017 you know i gave my two weeks at work and i was telling my friends you know here's what's you know my coworkers. here's what's going on here's where i'm going and Be- like because it was going so well you were like it's time oh or just too much time like too all-consuming or- why did i leave yeah, yeah. why, why, why did i make the leap um Two reasons. It was it was becoming all consuming to where I wasn't doing either of my jobs well. Mm-hmm. So I knew I had to pick between one or the other. And so that was kind of decision one. Decision two was if I don't if I don't pick this thing, then I will probably regret it the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And um like also like I was getting at the point in my career where I either like stayed there forever mm-hmm. or did something else. And like it was like it's a weird thing with that particular industry like there's not a lot of transferable skills you can't go from being you know 10 years at lockheed martin to like being a lawyer or you know it's it's hard anyways um so i I decided we were going to make the leap i gave my jennifer and i went on a road trip you know very you know cliche you know dreaming (laughs) and we decided hey we're gonna we're gonna do this and we gave ourselves a year to where we kind of had some savings and we were like um 
give ourselves a year. And if we're not paying the bills by a year from now, then we'll shut it down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll have to do what And we you did. had had the Kickstarter, so you knew people. Yeah, we had the Kickstarter. And people were excited about it. We knew, we it felt like there was something there. Some but there, was, there wasn't anything there enough to start, you know, paying the bills. So Jennifer so worked at the time. She was a teacher. She was paying the bills while, you know, we tried to get it off the, the, um, the ground. But I told people I was leaving, um, gave them a two weeks. And, um, I remember there were at least like three, four, maybe five of them were all like, the first question was, well, are you going to go on Shark Tank? (laughs) Um, and like, I don't, I, I guess that's just like people associate entrepreneurship with Shark Tank, you know, especially especially product based. Yeah. Especially if you're not an entrepreneur and like you live in the corporate world, that's probably your only like connection. So like be the first (laughs) thing we asked and I was, and I thought, well, I mean, I probably should. So I remember, um, this was on work time. Sorry, anybody who's... Lockheed, if you're listening. Just a quick Google search. Uh, I went back to my desk and I was like, well, I guess I should. So I went back and I was like, Shark Tank, how to get on Shark Tank, Shark Tank trials. And it was like, Shark Tank tryouts, you know, January 27th, Dallas, Texas. And I'm like, oh, crap, that's like next week. So I I applied the next week and um, spent the next five months going through this arduous process with paperwork video, um, you know, uh, auditions, phone calls, you know, there's like a bunch of stages. There's like steps in the so process. It's hard, it's hard to get on. Yeah. It's hard to get on. Harder than it appears. Yeah. And it's just a lot of steps and it's, they mm-hmm. don't tell you what the next step is until you're at the next step. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't call us, we'll call you mm-hmm. sort of thing. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like a secret, you know, club initiation, you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. So you're always like kind of in the dark about what's next. I went through this long process and we got to the point in the process where um, we were basically designed, we, we had, we had designed our, we had uh, made our pitch. So like the, the pitch that they do at the beginning of the, the segment, we had drafted our pitch. We were starting to design our sets because everybody's got a set, you know, that they yeah. go on stage and the call that we were going to talk about our set design, you know, instead of talking about our set design, they're like, you're not going to, this is it. This is the last call. Oh, really? Yeah. Did they say why? No. They never tell you why. Um, you were a Shark Tank reject. I was a Shark Tank reject, yeah. <laughs> I I went in like a tailspin because I, at that time, like... Did you start second-guessing yourself? Well, I just like knew I was going to be on Shark Tank. Okay. Like, we are <laughs> so at going. That point, I mean, we're designing my set, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And like the next week, uh, like I just like was, I mean, in the dumps for... It wasn't like I was depending on this or like anything right. like that, but like it's this thing wind. I knew that was going to happen. The wind out of your sails. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you, did you start thinking like, is my product not good enough? Oh, yeah. All the things. I mean, I ride the roller coaster for sure. And so like that, you know, all the things you think at the, the trough of the roller coaster, I was uh-huh. thinking. Um, but picked myself up, you know, got back to work, kind of forgot about it and then tried again next the next year. Actually, I just emailed the producers that I had been working with, um, the next year I said, Hey, we want to try out again. And they were like, eh, not going to work out. So I was just one email. Okay. So I tried, that was try number two. Mm -hmm. Um, turns out on both of these seasons, I got rejected. There were other like shaving companies on them. So I tell myself like, uh, you know, maybe there were just, they had too much shaving going on. Um, (laughs) and, um, and by the way, like, you know, you could have the most 
amazing product and still get rejected. It's all about programming. Right. They don't care necessarily about how great your product is. They care about making good TV. You know, well, we're not going to have like five razor companies on one episode. Anyways. Yeah. Is my thought process. So that was year two. And then year number three, I emailed them. And they said, yeah, let's do it. And so we started the process back over again. We used the same pitch, you know, that we had, had drafted. Had you kept your set? Yeah, I kept my set you design. You kept the set the whole It ended time. up, I think, being the same design. Well, Same pitch, basically. We kind of tweaked the pitch a little bit. But, um, this and by time, then, too, you'd had a bunch of sales. like Way more sales. If we had made it the first year, it probably would have <laughs> been a disaster. Because okay. not only did we not have good sales to, to you know, present on stage, yeah. but if we had actually gotten the sales that from the airing that we ended up getting, you know, it would have... Product wasn't as good as it could have been. It wasn't good. It would have been... An, you know, it might have closed our business because the, the product... We would have sent out a bunch of bad product and or not sent out enough or whatever. I know people that have their companies have been gone under because gone of under the because demand. of Shark Tank or you know they couldn't they tried to ramp up their production line and bad things happened and they mm-hmm. sent out you know you know anyways. So um, long story short, we we got on the third year, and this time I had a lot of hope, but I never knew it was certain. <laughs> um, you actually you don't. Um, you don't know, so you can you can be flown out to film, and you can actually not film. Oh wow! Or you can film, and you can you cannot air. Like there are people I know yeah, that have that. filmed and didn't actually air. So like this time, I was like, you know, I'm gonna hope for the best, but not plan on it. And uh, we didn't actually know we were gonna air until like three. They don't tell you until three weeks before you air. Wow. Um, and we made it. And you did. Yeah, we made it. And yeah, were you nervous? Have you had you done much like media or t- or interviews? Yeah, or like- I no. The, the short answer is no. The longer answer is like I did musicals in high school, and like I do my commercials for my. Oh, you did musicals? Business. You did theaters? Yeah, again? yeah, I did musical oh, theater. Little, and so I like, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. You want me to do a little Oklahoma? You say no. no <laughs> I don't anymore. <laughs> I don't anymore. Um, but y'all were great on camera. We practiced. You and your wife a like lot. both very. Yeah, you were charismatic. You were fun, fun, engaging. Energy. Thank you. Yeah. We practiced a ton. Oh, you did. But like, I've never been so nervous in my life. Uh huh. Jennifer and I. The, the joke is like we don't even really remember what happened. Like your heart's going. It was like, it's like the the Ricky. I think it's Ricky Bobby. You know, where he's like, I blacked out. You know what yeah. happened? It's like <laughs> we got off the set and we were like, well, like what just happened? Because it felt like like we just blacked out. But I mean. We do remember, we kind of started to piece together after the, after, like the week after the, the, we filmed, we'd be like, one of us would turn to the other one and be like, do you remember when? And like, and be like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember when he said that or, you know. Yeah. Did you have um, a number in your, like, I know you, you, you say like, here's, yeah, here's what we want. Yep. And I'm assuming in the back of your mind, you also have, here's my threshold. Yeah. Of that. Because the, the hard thing is you have to make a decision. I'm, I'm trying to remember what what did do you remember what what the terms were like y'all were asking for three hundred I think it was three hundred thousand for ten percent ten percent yeah yeah that was it and um the offer that uh, Robert ended up making was three hundred for fifteen and you, had you thought through that scenario I had it's so funny we practiced everything like to <laughs> to the like we were ready okay. we were so ready and I um. The kind of running joke in between Jennifer and I in our house is that I took when I took my MBA, I took two classes on negotiating. 
Oh, okay. And they're called Master Negotiation. That's the name of the course. And so, you know, I'm always like, Jennifer, I got this. I'm a master <laughs> negotiator. <laughs> and so before the, um, we would joke before the, the pitch, you know, they don't know what's coming. We're, you know, I'm a master. I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to negotiate, you know, the, the crap out of them. And, um, and I get on stage and like, I just, it felt, my, my master negotiation just <laughs> fell apart. Because like, I, I remember, it, it's funny if you look back, I, I thought at the time I was more good at what I was doing. But if you watch the episode, you know, Robert's like, uh, 300K for 15%. And I was like, um, yeah, but Robert, would you like maybe consider, you know, 12, <laughs> you know, just like maybe come down a little bit. And he was like, no. And like my memory is like I really gave it hard to him. Yeah. But like when you, <laughs> you watch, watch it, it, it's like back. yeah, it's like I did not do well at all. But um, so uh, the number we ended up settling on was I had kind of we had we had decided what a walk away point would be, and that was within the walk away point. Mm -hmm. So so you said yes, so yes, but then you didn't take the deal, right? So it's a, it's a yeah, how does that work? It's a um, seldom known fact about Shark Tank that what happens on stage doesn't really mean anything. Um, you know, it's not a deal. It's just a, a, a like verbal, LOI, it's an so LOI. To speak. There you go. It's so to speak, which like in real estate world doesn't mean anything. doesn't mean anything. Just here's kind of the terms. Yeah. And then lawyers get involved, I'm assuming. And lawyers get involved. There's term sheets. Um, you know, I won't, uh, say anything disparaging, but may, and there, there, you can Google it. There are studies that have been done. You know, many of these sharks close a small fraction of the deals that they do on air. And if, you think about it, it kind of makes sense. They're going on 12 seasons, you know, how many hundreds, thousands of episodes? Millions like, of dollars right. do they have? They to? don't have the money yeah. to, and by the way, most of these, and I'll say this as somebody who's been on the show, most of these investments are not good investments. Like mm -hmm. they're just not, you're better off parking your money in, you know, an index fund than investing in, you know, some of these, most of these companies. So like, I don't blame, in retrospect, I don't really have a lot of bitterness about the whole thing, but at the time, like I thought he was serious, you know? So, so what they wound up putting on the pen to paper wasn't what they said in the episode? Uh, things didn't end up the way that they were talked about on the episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it wasn't yeah. that you changed your mind. Mm -mm. It was that there was a disparity between what you thought and yeah. what was actually happening. Yeah. And it was more about the terms of the deal. Okay. There, there mm -hmm. are some some control type of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And you're someone who likes who who is always like, I want. Yeah, I want the control. Yeah, there are a lot of ways when you're making deals like these for you know the buyer to kind of get some gotchas into the legal language. That I had a really good lawyer based here in Fort Worth. Thanks, oh, Doug. Really? You're awesome. Um, who like was like, oh, that's you know that's not good. He he kind of ran circles around. Mm. You know, um, he did, he did really good work. And so yeah. we kind of, we got to the point where it was, it wasn't something that I was willing to sign. And yeah, so we just came to an impasse and, um, but you got all this marketing tons. So <laughs> I got, I got the prize, which is the marketing, which right? you and, were on TV. Yeah. The, and y'all's pitch was great. Yeah. The real prize is the airing, like mm -hmm. the deal. So we, you know, we ended up cash flowing the deal amount, you know, within like three or four days of. Yeah, wow. just sales. Um, so your sales wow. went up That's that amazing. much. Oh yeah, we had our. It's still. It's still, I think, one of our record months, if not our record month how, of sales. How many razors did you aired. did you sell sell after that? I don't. I don't remember units. I mean, tens of thousands. 
Um, I don't remember exactly. And did you have them ready? Did you have to like? No, we had what we had what we thought would be enough to be ready, but we didn't. Um, we didn't have enough ready. So that was a whole other deal where we dealt with backlogs and pre-orders and. Oh gosh! Fortunately, made quite a few people upset. Did our best, but. Um, but that kind that of was, took y'all to another level. It was kind of an inflection point for us. Um, you know, notoriety. When, um, when was that? November of 2019. Uh, so, so it was right before COVID. Three, about three years ago, almost three years ago. Okay. And that, that kind of like took, it legitimized you and put you on a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then from there, you're like, you, you have enough business for like, I don't need investment anymore. Correct. I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't need that or want that. Yeah. Um, and also became a huge, a huge part of your marketing. Like, yeah, for better or worse, as seen on Shark Tank, yeah, it's attractive. Yeah, it's a, it's an authority. It is. It's you'll see. I mean, you've seen our ads. Mm-hmm. You know, we try to make it a very small piece of our story, like just kind of this little trust building. Mm-hmm. You know, a little spice on top. Like for a long time, it was like buy our stuff because we were on Shark Tank. You know, it's like yeah. and it worked. But like we didn't want to be the Shark, you know, yeah. brand that's all that's all that they're known for is being on Shark Tank. So we found it it does still help. Like it it helps to have that little kind of authority building. So it's it's part of a lot of our advertising, just a little piece of it. But um uh, you know, I'm also obviously on those clips that are on Shark Tank, so it's part of, you know, you know, the what we were talking about right, earlier. Yeah. yeah, the founder story. So Yeah, it's it's a founder and a face yes. and it's a story. Exactly. Which is like the magic combination yeah. in my mind to building a great, a great brand. Like yeah. great brands have a face, they have a human element, and yeah. they have a story. Yeah. So it gave you it gave you a, a cool, cool story. Yeah. So then the next two years, COVID hit and and your type of businesses did really well. Yes. Like people had money because they weren't going out. Yep. So like they were buying online. Online. Stuff. Everything. Yeah. What did you buy online? I bought a lot of wine. <laughs> I got really into wine. And uh, this is true. Boxes of wine on our front porch. Boxes of wine and and <laughs> and also like health stuff. I was buying all these like vitamins. And yep. Got, made a gym. Made it got way down that. What did you buy? I was drinking your wine. You were drink- but did you buy anything? Did you buy I wasn't I don't think I was really yeah. I probably went on a, a first time freeze, you know. Of not buying stuff? Yeah. Yeah, you went frugal. Other people were like, I was getting like, nervous. Have... I was just nervous. Yeah. It was, was a like, weird I don't time. Know. Yeah. But people were buying the, re- like, business went up. I remember you telling me that in 2020, y'all, your business 2020 was a great year, especially the first, uh, the second quarter. So, you know, right when COVID hit, it's it's really interesting because, you know, COVID hit and, like, it was, like, the entire e-commerce. And so I got a lot of friends that run e-commerce brands and, like, the whole industry was terrified. Like, yeah, well, everyone was happen. terrified across everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm sure, you know. Across the world. Um, but it turned out very quickly that there was no need for that terror because there was like a week or two of like just kind of down mm-hmm. weeks of sales. And then after that, it was just through the roof. And mm-hmm. um, so March and April and May were really great months for us. Wow. The rest of the year was good. I wouldn't say it was like outrageously good, but it ended up being a, a really good year for us. Did you have any of the supply chain issues because so much of what you're doing is overseas? We... Um, at that time, we today we have supply chain issues, but at that time, actually, the only thing we ran out of was like this little sprayer that we use on our post shave bottle. Um, because like literally, because everybody was using them for sanitizer, right? Um, oh, so like we couldn't get this sprayer, so 
had to get in like a different color or something like that. But otherwise, 2020 was pretty easy in terms of COVID. 2021, freight prices went through the roof. This year, you know, supply chain issues. So like everything is more expensive. Yeah, everything's more expensive. We're still feeling the after effects for sure. But 2020 was a surprisingly great year for us. So I, I... I have I have a couple of questions. I'm trying to decide which way I want to want to go. Uh, you mentioned you had a bunch of other friends in e-commerce in the e-commerce space, and yep. you're you're very much. We were joking about it earlier, but you're very much a, a presence in that space of like e-commerce yep. products. Are there any other like e-commerce brands that you like I, you loved that were kind of inspirations, and or e-commerce sort of other founders that you looked up to or became comrades or sure gosh it's hard to pick uh there's so many i i became a real when i when i commit to something like i go deep so i became a real junkie of studying other brands and other founders and um but the the ones that come to mind are the ones that have helped me so i mentioned mm-hmm. earlier there was there was a there's a brand called mizzen and main that's men's clothing the, oh, yeah. the yeah. founder and C, the ceo is really fancy from, great shirts yeah. that don't wrinkle yeah, yeah, yeah. So they started in Dallas and the CEO got on a call with me just randomly, some stranger, gave me some advice. Mm. I mentioned the Soma guy earlier. Um, I became real. It's really funny. Probably my best friendship. This is this is really um, Twitter has been great for me. I have no interest in like building a personal brand, to be honest. But what I love about Twitter is two things, making friends in this space mm-hmm. and helping other people. And so like there's not a lot of people in Fort Worth that do e-commerce. There's yeah. a few, but not few. really. I mean, Solo Stove is based up in, I think, like Keller. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the kind of a local big I didn't one. Know that. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. Um, and there's others. Like, it's not like nobody's. Do- it's not like a scene here, though. Yeah. So, like, if I want to like commiserate and like cry about supply chain issues or you know cheer about you know COVID sales, you know, I got to go online to find mm-hmm. these friends. So, uh, one, and I'll, I'll wind up to say one of my best friends I've made over the years is this guy named Eric Bantles who runs this company called Beard Brand. So all they do is sell beard products. Okay. Mm-hmm. All we do is sell shaving products. Uh-huh. Except for we're about to come out with beard products. <laughs> so he's become a great friend of mine. Um, but um, I don't know if any come to mind because I've studied so are, many. Are there any like like things you've learned? I'm sure there's a lot of them. Like Or tips or tricks about e-commerce in particular. Yeah. That like make a great e-commerce. Like, commerce brand like if i was like i'm gonna sell these sure bracelets yeah i know i'm curious too if it's because that you could go in so many directions as far as what makes a good e-commerce brand whether it's the the brand and the marketing side or if it's all the little seo shopify plugin yeah you know tips and tricks technology you know both of those things i feel like obviously are important but what you would point at let me if i could i'll reframe the question to something that would get something a little more helpful out of me which is what would I do if I was starting a new brand or Mm -hmm. like, what would I think is most important to pay attention to? And the very first thing I would say is pick a good product. And that's really, really easy to say, but you know, if you want to sell bracelets, um, you know, I would say there's gotta be something really special. Either you gotta have something really special about that bracelet. Mm -hmm. That's going to make people come, come buy your bracelet, or you have to have an audience built in already or a personality to go make that audience mm-hmm. through TikTok or Instagram or whatever. But like the, the mistake I made was like, oh, I'm going to make this great thing and people will come buy it. It's not if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Um, and 
I tell my marketing clients that all the time. Yeah. Like, just because you, you have, yeah, yeah, I say that literally all the time. Field of dreams was yeah. wrong. Yeah. Just because you have it, they will not come. Yeah. Well, yeah. and then some, you don't think about it. Like for us, we, you know, at Worthy Co, we make candles. Mm-hmm. And never in a million years would we, would we think, oh my gosh, this is the heaviest thing to ship. <laughs> yes. If you do a pop up, it's yes. the heaviest thing to load yeah. up. Light. It, it melts in your, you know, Yep. Climate control, people can't smell it on the internet. There's yep. just all these things that you're not thinking about yeah. on the front end. It returns if they don't like how it smells or they don't like how it shaves. So jewelry is the best the best thing ever to sell because it's expensive and it's light. It doesn't cost you anything to ship. It's got high margins. You know, it's very expensive. So that's like a perfect example of a good product. But mm-hmm. the flip side of that is how are you going to generate demand for that jewelry? Well, you better either be like an Instagram star or have, you know, something about that jewelry that everybody wants. Um, so I would think a lot about the product first. You don't have a good product, don't start the business. Or... Just keep in mind that it's going to be a small business. You know, there's nothing wrong with a small business. So nothing do you feel wrong. like you had a good product? Do it I, was a niche. Do you feel like you had a niche? Yes. Or? I feel like I had a good, I had a great product. I do. I have a great yeah. product. I believe in the product. Um, but it was great in that it's just a good product and it stands on its own as a good product. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't pick it again as like a... Because uh, it was so hard to fine tune. It was hard to make. Very, very hard. Like it took me years to perfect it. I, I don't think I really perfected it until this most recent version that just mm-hmm. came out last year. Uh, so that's that's a that's due to a lot of things. Low capital. Just, you know, like I, I could have accelerated that by having another million yeah. bucks in my pocket like pretty quickly. But anyways, um, it was a good product, not a great product. Um, one of the reasons you mentioned about candles, you know, when somebody buys a razor, razors are more subjective than you would think. They may love it or hate it. You know, they may have questions about it. It's also an expensive razor. So I was going against the grain there. I'm trying to charge 60 bucks for something that usually people pay 10, Mm -hmm. 10 bucks a month. So there was a lot of going uphill. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the flip side, I have a friend who, uh, from Twitter who just sold her company. She sells uh, pimple patches. She just sold it for $600 million. Oh my gosh. Um, she started it like in 2019 pimple or 2017. Patches. Yes. Oh, yeah. So super light, mm-hmm. super high margin. And the other thing, the, the reason I, yeah, you got to keep buying them. And then the other thing, I, the reason I mentioned it is like, she was one of the first, like she wasn't the first person to sell pimple patches, but she caught a wave. Mm-hmm. Right. So like she wasn't having to generate that wave. She was riding it. It was already kind of a thing yeah she was was shouting the loudest yeah exactly and doing operating the best and so like that's a perfect product right there so i don't mean to get off on a product tangent but yeah um, super interesting um and she built like a 120 million dollar company in like five years or something crazy mostly bootstrapped um crazy 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 result so i would think a lot about the product you know how much does it cost me to make it i think a lot about your margins so Mm. um you know, in the early days, I had like 50% gross margins. And what that means is like, I would, you know, if something I'm charging a hundred bucks for, for something, it costs me 50 bucks to make it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really fly in the e-commerce world. You got to have not, 75. Plus. Not including your time and your employee's time. Yeah. That just the, the cost of the material itself is 50%. to make the product and get it on my doorstep. Like that markup isn't. Not Quite, enough. Yeah. yeah. So you need By the like, way, it doesn't include shipping either. It costs a minimum of, you know, depending on what you're shipping. So what's six the rate? So you said 75% is kind of the ratio. 75, you know, 80 is better. 
Um, I mean, 90 is better. Jewelry's usually at like 90 plus. Mm-hmm. I'm sure those pimple patches are at 90 plus. Wow. You know, most beauty products are at 90 plus. Um, you know, that's, and that's the thing people don't realize going, like the restaurant industry, when we, when mm-hmm. we opened Brood, like we didn't realize the amount of Mart, like we yeah. were oh selling a burger and losing money on yeah. the burger. Our yeah. best selling. Because we yeah. didn't realize like your labor cost, yeah. and your food cost, and then your How much is this and all this? Pickle. Yeah. It was a really good organic pickle, but it was expensive pickle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but figuring out the sort of the, the, the se- what's the secret. <laughs> Yeah. The secret ratio there, you know. I can't imagine doing that in a restaurant because in my product, like, I know what the inputs are. I know the blade costs. I know the, you know, I know how, you know, like a a restaurant, like, good night. And how many pickles are you wasting? Like, like when the chef's throwing around pickles, how many fall on the floor, (laughs) you know? And um, so, like, your costs. So, one thing we talk about, what am I good at? Like, I'm a a really good operator, I've learned. Mm. And, like, paying attention to those details and they're all really really important mm-hmm. um um so your product your margins on your product 75 percent plus landed and then how how are you going to build an audience you know how are you going to tell the story that you were talking mm-hmm. about earlier ideally it's a founder-led story it doesn't have to be but um you know what's the story you're telling that's going to interest people yeah and i think like for a craft Thing. This has been such a movement to craft things. We want mm-hmm. craft beer and craft whiskey. And yeah. Craft, I was buying wine. Uh, and for something to be craft and like made with, intent, like not mass produced, you want a founder. You want a guy yeah. who made this thing intentionally and thought mm-hmm. through. Like, so I, I think they, those go hand in hand. And you were in sort of this craft upper echelon yeah. of men's, men's beauty products. Yeah. Uh, which is why they're having product. A, <laughs> grooming product. Grooming, grooming. That's probably the <laughs> beauty's okay. Yeah. How how did you so to make the demand? Talk talk me through marketing. Just yeah. like some of your marketing things you yeah. learned or your strategy. Sure. Well, we did this and it really turned the needle. Yeah. I um. So uh, one of the strengths and weaknesses of our business is that it was built basically on the back of digital ads so mostly mm-hmm. facebook and instagram so there's a reason you get those ads we spend a heck of a lot of money mm-hmm. on those ads and you're seeing them all the time because of that um so it's a strength in that it's helped us to to grow our business quickly it's also a weakness that if things go poorly or something goes wrong you know our business drives you up spend overnight. a lot of yeah. money like you and you have to keep feeding that got to feed the beast yeah that beast so it's a it's a big problem in the e-commerce industry um you know so like last year was a really tough year for us um, because Why was it a tough year? Uh, there were some changes in um, the the way Apple basically changed the rules on how we run digital ads. And mm-hmm. whatever you think about this or not, this is this is how it used to be. You know, I used to be able to track you very, not you, Jamie Ice, but I used to be able to say, hey, I want to show this ad to somebody, you know, who lives in Fort Worth, you know, who is such and such age, who is interested mm-hmm. in XYZ and who, you know, uh, follows, you know, shaving blogs mm-hmm. and, you know, Facebook have that info. And they're like, you want to show that person? Great. Here's the ad to that person. Mm-hmm. So what that did is it made advertising online very effective, cost effective. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, the golden days of digital advertising were early 2010s. That's why you have all these, these big direct to consumer brands, Harry's, Warby Parker, you know, mm-hmm. they were all Dollar Shave Club, they're all built on the back of digital ads. Hyper-targeting their Hyper-targeting audience. Hyper-targeting digital ads. Okay. Really cheap. And 
uh, Apple changed the rules of the game last year, and Apple basically said on any Apple device, you're not going to get that information from my customers anymore. From the iPhone is what you're saying. From the iPhone, from the Mac, from anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, that, that information was always anonymous. It was never like, Jamie. Is, yeah, you didn't know my it name. Was, it was X two four seven three two two five. But you could pay, and it would show yes. up on my computer exactly because I liked whatever. Yep. So you can still do that, but not nearly as effective as it used to be. Once Apple made these changes, and they made these changes last uh, April, uh, May, and so when they made those changes, our advertising basically dried up overnight. We went from uh, growing and profitable to dying and unprofitable basically overnight. Really? And does that yeah. mean you, the way that you could tell is that you're putting the same, beating the beast the same amount your return? Bingo. Okay. So let's exactly. say you're spending 10 grand a month on ads. Yep. And you were getting 20. Call it 2x. 20. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're spending 10 grand and it's like people aren't seeing it. Yeah. You're, you're spending buying. 10 and maybe you're getting person. 10 back, but that doesn't account for, well, you actually have to pay for that product too. So yeah. you're actually losing money. So yeah. what'd you do? Uh, we pulled back significantly on what we were spending, um, and we kind of rebuilt the company. I fired all the agencies that were working on my ads, mm-hmm. and I started hiring internally. I built a marketing team basically from scratch mm-hmm. instead of outsourcing it. And we just got to work, and we just so started. You, you, sk- you shrunk your cost. Yes, significantly. So the output was still the same, but you shrunk how much it cost you to do all yeah, of that. Yeah, to, So it could be more profitable. Yeah, exactly. And then we just kind of rebuilt and we just kind of slowly one step at a time kind of figured it out. And and also, you know, I can't take all the credit, you know, Facebook kind of figured it out because like basically this is a big war between Apple and Facebook. Apple is building their own ad business. And so they wanted to crater Facebook's ad business. Um, Interesting. And so like all the small business owners are kind of caught in the middle of this war. But Facebook learned how to kind of work around a little bit. And so we we kind of kind of felt our way through. It really felt like um, we were like, in the dark, you know, cause mm-hmm. like you're used to be, I know if I spend money, I'm going to get this back or I spend it this way or spend it here. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, uh, just going to kind of like throw some money out there and hope that something good happens. With yeah. It. And it also, it's like, I don't know that what they tell me is real. Oh, that's the other part of it. When yeah. they're like 20,000 people saw this yep. ad and yep. 11 impressions and 12 yep. click. I'm like, is that, is that real? Like yeah. there's like, you, you actually can't really trust you, those numbers you can't anymore. Prove, you can't prove yeah. it. Or like, yeah. is, the other, is the other hard thing about that? Yeah. yeah. Impressions. And- so, but you also, to re, you re-engineered it and kind of have a new yeah, I got a, so to speak. Yeah. Is, that, is yeah. that what you would say? We built internal. Um, we built a team. And then the other thing was we kind of unlocked these new creatives that um, you mentioned you're seeing um, with me on it. We kind of, it's funny, I... In the early stage of my business, like I was the face of the brand. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of hit this scale to where I was like, okay, I'm tired of being the face of the brand. Like we don't we need have me some anymore. Models. Yeah, so. like I'm going to kind of take a step back. And then like through necessity, it was like, well, I'm back. And um, <laughs> so we started putting me back in the ads and just to test them. And they started to be what started working. Yeah. Wow. So you have um, a likable, trustworthy face. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you want to buy and, something from me? And you also Would you like t- to raise your TikTok? <laughs> You're doing TikTok too, right? I started also, I started a TikTok channel. Um, I've never been so enthralled and burnt out by something so quickly. <laughs> um, so I started posting and then I, I grew to like, it's, we've got half a million followers. On TikTok? Yeah. That's what? amazing. Um, it's just me shaving, basically. Half a million? Yeah. That but is I, impressive. I had Are to you doing off. it yourself? I stopped doing it. I, I couldn't ride the ride. 
um, it felt like I was a gambling addict because every time I would post something, the rest of the day, it'd be like, okay, how many views, checking you know, it, how many yeah, checking like it. comments and views. The and dopamine. Like, it was just hitting hard, man, like harder than anything I'd ever experienced before. So I haven't actually. I didn't realize you had half a million. Yeah. yeah. That is wild. So I wish, I really, really wish I had the personality or the energy to open that sucker up and start posting again because. So you stopped? I haven't posted in like uh, eight, nine months, maybe longer. I haven't opened the app in, in probably a year. I've started having Couldn't my employees post. you send it to like your team post? We've tried to hire yeah. somebody. We've had to try to hire somebody for uh-huh. six months. We've been looking for somebody. If anybody's listening to this and wants to and run they, my TikTok and channel. And TikToker. We're like the the salary we're offering is more than I made as a first year engineer at Hey, I'll run your, I'll run your TikTok. I'm like Jamie. Actually, I don't know how to do I'll that. It is a career you path. You have to shave, but yeah, you yeah. can. Shave. <laughs> you have to shave every day. Um, we're trying to hire somebody to, to get it going again. I can't open that app. It's on my phone. I've, I haven't opened it in a year. I don't know what it is. I don't know if you, if anybody can relate to this, but like, yeah, I can't open it because I just, there's like some, some kind of, yeah, uh, your PTSD. Life, your life is better. I always say this all the time. Like my life would be better without social media, yeah. but my businesses are so yes tied to it and contingent yeah. on it. It's, yeah. a pro- it's a problem. I would love to not ever look at it again. Although I secretly, I like it, which is why it's bad. Uh, <laughs> I would love it for it to be gone, but it's like yeah. my, I, it's such a huge part of my brand yeah. and my business. And for me, it kind of has to be, yeah. if you're building a business today. Um, it's one of the, the, uh, problems with building a business today is you're always on. You, ha- you have to be playing in that space. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things like I always started storytelling. It's like, you have to be playing in that content social yep. media space. And, and but I feel like even just you mentioning that, you know, there's, it's very self-aware to know when you need to detox from certain yep. digital vices or apps and things like that. And so are there things like that where you, I mean, it seems if you're self-aware enough to understand that you can't open an app that's on your phone, what are some of those things that you kind of lean on or yep. withhold in order to to be a good leader, to be a good husband, um, especially if you're walking through something like a sale of your sure. your baby and your company, sure. you have to be kind of whole in order to walk through that in a healthy way. Yeah, that's a good question. I wouldn't say I walked through the sale in a very healthy way, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, it was a grind. I think selling any business. Or lessons learned yeah, through that yeah. process. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, since since we sold the business, I and this is a maybe a luxury that others don't have. Um, I took email off my phone. I took Slack off my phone. I took all social media except for Twitter off my phone. Cause that's in some ways that's kind of life giving to me. Um, but there's not a single social media that's been on my phone for, or email. It's been on my phone for a month for over a month. That's got to feel good. I love it. I have read more in the past five weeks and I've like read in the previous five years, um, which is great. Um, so like, uh, that's been a great, but I, I wouldn't have been able to do that like before I yeah. sold the, the yeah. company. Um, I have, I have limits. So yeah, she, I, I she, learned that from you. I do that too. Yeah. You so told me about that. At 5.30 PM, yeah. my email, my internet, yeah. my Instagram and Facebook, I can't access them. Yeah. And she's got the code. She has the code. We do the same thing. I heard you talk about it. Yeah. We do the same thing now. Yeah. That was a good tip. It made a, it makes me like decompress. Yeah. Although, although my mail has been unlocked for like the past three weeks. <laughs> I've been checking it, but it makes me like turn off and be present with, yeah. with, with, with my family. Yeah. But taking it, I would love to take it off. Yeah. I, f- I found that like, even with that, I would still pick it up. 
I would still like pick it up and like just oh, like instinctually yeah. like start uh-huh. swiping. It's like muscle it, memory. Yeah, it took like five weeks of just having them gone to yeah, get like that a rat that's been gone. conditioned. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hear the bell or whatever. Yeah. But in terms of other practices, um, I don't have any magic bullets. Uh, one of the things, so we did COVID at home. You know, we worked at home for COVID, but then we also have an office and like just working from home, which is we have two little daughters and it just did not, the, the work life, the work life split just doesn't happen for me. I'm sure it can happen for other people, but I was working at my dining room table. I didn't have like a specific space where I could close the door and work stays in that room. Yeah, You know, it's like if I, I have to make a real clear distinction between mm-hmm. work stays at the office yeah. and, you know, and I'm not going to lie, like there's work that happens at home sometimes, but for the most part, I leave work in the office. Um, that's been a really good habit. Um, Which is hard to do as the, as the leader. Like hard. you talked in the beginning about that pressure, that weight. Yeah. That doesn't fall on your team nope. or other people. No. Nope. And so when there's fires that need to be put out, you know, that falls on you. And yeah. so that's, you're saying that, and I'm sure, you know, I wish if we were in other, I joke all the time, other careers where I could literally leave work at work. Yeah. Yeah. Last um, night yeah, you were, you were putting out a fire. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. I need a sabbatical. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing this for so long. I, I mean, you probably do. I think we... <laughs> We all do. Like, we all need sabbaticals. Yeah. We all think we want to retire, but I think what we really want is just a sabbatical. A little, give me a rest. And then yeah, just like a couple and, months off yeah. and then like recharging it back into it. But what um, I mean by that is that it's a discipline. That it's a, yeah. um, there's, some people do have the luxury, like you were saying, some people don't have the luxury of taking certain things off their phones. Yeah. Some people do have sort of the luxury of leaving work at work because yeah. it exists there. Yeah. And then they get to come home. If you're an entrepreneur, if you are a starter, if you're in charge of something, the boss, the CEO, the leader, um, that's a discipline yeah. that you have to. It's a choice. It's to, a choice. Yeah. A daily. And, and it's uh-huh. a personal, like everybody's different, right? You know, if you're a property manager, you can't turn off the phone calls of the yeah. you know, toilet that's leaking. You know, mm-hmm. you, you got to go take that phone call. Um, so d- take us to like, so at what point were you like, I want to sell this? This is the goal or did someone approach you how did that work uh the short story is somebody approached me you know it was kind of always in the back of my head like one day we'll sell but it was never like there was never a plan like we're selling in 2023 yeah um but we uh there was an investment banker that approached me that you know his whole what he does his whole career is helping to sell was e-commerce he, brands and was it a local person or was it no he found you on like linkedin or new something? york i don't remember probably through a relationship um a connection that's all they do is sell e-commerce brands like me. Um, and so a broker, basically. Um, we had been talking for like six months, kind of on and off, just friendly. And then we kind of decided, you know, he, he pitched me pretty hard on the idea um, in late 20, I guess that was 21. Yeah, late 2021. That, hey, you know, you could probably get a good price. We should probably go to market and see what. Go to market. And so meetings. you send them all your your books. And yeah, books, and, and you know you put together a big deck and why we're special, why you want to buy us, and uh-huh. uh, so we put it together a deck um, in early twenty twenty two, and um, started uh, marketing the business in basically spring of twenty twenty two, and as you know, they would have it. We st- we went we went to market, meaning we just called people had me you know uh, it's not like a, a zillow yeah. of businesses. Yeah. <laughs> there are some but not <laughs> okay. ones that you know we went on um it's like discovery just, meetings and- yeah exactly it's kind of relationship business um 
So I had a bunch of meetings in March and April with a ton of interest. And then what I just told you about Apple ads happened to us. Your sales went down. Tanked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, our business was upended basically overnight. And so all these great conversations and all this interest basically, you know, evaporated overnight because nobody wants to buy a business that, you know, goes from mm-hmm. doing great to terrible overnight. Mm-hmm. So we tried at the time we tried to kind of hold things together and like, oh, don't look over there. Everything's fine. You know, we're going <laughs> to figure it out. Um, but, you, you know, you got to give people your numbers and there's questions and um, how do you answer those questions? And we did our best, but, you know, just nobody's interested in buying a business that's not doing well, uh, at least not for a good price. Mm-hmm. Um, so we basically through 2022, we kind of still tried to sell it. We had a lot of conversations and none of them were very fruitful. We actually had a very bad offer in December of last year that we actually signed an LOI for. It went nowhere. The LOI went nowhere, um, which I'm glad it didn't. And then at the same time, I'm trying to like piece back together my business that had just fallen apart. And so I'm trying to sell my business and build it at the same time. And long story short, we came to this spring and um, things were going great. Like things were going really well. And one of the original buyers that we had talked to a year ago was still, we called him back and said, hey, look at us now. Mm-hmm. And um, they were interested. Wow. So, so you say, here's a price. And they say, here's a price. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of back and forth on price. It took a couple months to to agree to uh, to an initial price in the LOI. So it took us maybe a month and a half yeah. to negotiate like the LOI, which is just, you know, as we talked earlier, as you know, it's just a like letter kinda, of intent. Yeah. The basic terms of the deal, you know, it's like a two or three page document. Here's mm-hmm. the price kind of here's whatever. And then we spent the next, after we signed the LOI, you know, which is not binding, you spend the next two months doing due diligence, digging really deep into the books. So they're like kind of auditing you. Audits. Yeah. yeah financial people auditing you there's all kinds of audits you know mm-hmm. making sure that what you told them before is actually true yeah got to back it up with data uh and then you know the hope is that the price doesn't change in our case it it, it did it, it went up a little bit um but the hope is you can hold the deal together with the same terms you know mm-hmm. and get it across the finish line but it takes two months we did, it took us two months which is wow. actually pretty short yeah you know sometimes it takes three to six months and the mm-hmm. whole time you're just like on edge, keep, you know, keep the sales up. Try, yeah, you got to keep the sales up. You got to yeah. keep the business running while also trying to sell it at the same time, yeah. which yeah. are two full time. So stressful jobs. couple months. Very stressful. Um, but but here you are. You did it. We did it. You we did got it. across the finish line. Man, that's so cool. I think it, 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 it's neat to hear because it's cool because at least in Fort Worth, you kind of pioneered this e-commerce thing and a product, and and we're on TV, and we were all like, "Look, he's on TV. This is so cool." But then also to have the success of of an exit, yeah, you know, not not a lot of people in our city have done that. So yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun for us to be like a spectator and yeah, cheerleader on. Hey, I mean, I would, I nothing would excite me more than to help other people do the same thing, start their own business, you know, help them sell it eventually one day. Yeah. Um, there's an, there's an incubator over where we live that, you know, I'm going to be like a mentor for oh, cool. kind of an upcoming cohort. And like, you know, if there's anything I can do to pass that on. Like, I, you know, I love this town, you know, that we live in, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm less involved in the actual city, city of stuff. Fort Worth because nobody here does what I do. Not nobody, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And so if I, you know, if I can 
do that to help mm-hmm. anybody else. That's kind of what I'm looking for in my next stage of my career is just kind of like, well, what can I do with these these skills I've learned? Yeah, now you have the skills. Yeah. And, that, and that's a big part of why we why I did the podcast because, you know, getting proximity to someone like you mm-hmm. and hearing their story and hearing what you learned mm-hmm. spares you some of that. For sure. Tri- trial and error. Yeah. Like, you, you know, so, so much of my success, I feel like, comes from me just making mistakes and trying things and or I've had the opportunity yeah. to sit in a room and yeah. get to know, you know, make friends with these people yeah. and have those connections. And so. And you've had like a lot of different careers that you've had to like start new industries from scratch. You've probably made all the mistakes oh, in like so all many. the industries. Like <laughs> all you got the, the restaurant, the band, <laughs> yeah. you know, real estate. So but like, now I have like this, this. MBA and the book that's coming out what yeah. not to do yeah, I would MBA. buy that book <laughs> yeah but, that, that's, but that's part of what we're doing here is like how can, yeah, how it's can trial we by fire it's figuring it out yeah. um I have a few a couple like less story driven questions sure. um what are you know I, I I think like a a healthy person makes a healthy leader um and you've talked a lot about that just had to unplug from TikTok. Yeah. Do you, what, what's like, what's a day in the life of Patrick? Like, do you have any habits or routines or things you do? I know you're really into kombucha right now. You got your kombucha <laughs> with you. Like, <laughs> what, what is, what, walk me through like, like your ideal day. Sure. When you're, you're most healthy, so sure. to speak. Sure. I, um, hmm. I wouldn't say I have the best health. <laughs> and health but, don't think of like but, physical health yeah, but just yeah, like yeah. is there things mentally emotionally yeah. Yeah. spiritually all the um so uh my you know my family is what grounds me so my my wife as i've told you is 100 percent. you know on you know we're on the same team and mm-hmm. so without so talking about health uh, i would either be crazy or, or dead without her right <laughs> so she's my like therapist my mm-hmm. you know um, even to, you know, this morning, you know, talking about things that, you know, I'm th- this new phase of life. I'm like, I don't know who I am, you know, laying on the couch and you know, what's next. And <laughs> she's, you know, she's there with me. So, um, that's not necessarily a habit, but she, and then we have two little girls. And so when we, st- we actually had, we didn't talk about it, but we had Madeline, our first little girl, um, two months before I left Lockheed Martin. Oh, wow. Um, so like we left, Jennifer went back to school to work. She took eight months off her attorney and she went back to school to work because somebody's got to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. So I'm at home with this kid, you know, eight week old kid, you know, trying to start this business. Wow. Um, so she, my kids, you know, have been part of the story since day one. And so, you know, I'd say, uh, you know, this isn't, I mean, they say that kids like kind of change your life for me. They've always, they they have changed my life and they've been part of my story. You know, Mm -hmm. we haven't really talked about it, but like they, they have been probably the most grounding thing for me because otherwise I would just work myself to death, you know, Mm -hmm. just kind of chase after, you know, what I'm going after instead of realizing I got two, you know, little souls that I need to care for. And so they have been helpful for me to turn off at night, you know, to set, you know, these rules and like, Otherwise, I would just work constantly or, you know, be anxious constantly or think about work constantly. But like because because they're in my life, I, I you know, I, I basically kind of they kind of pull me away from from work, whether they know they don't know it. But um, children force you to be selfless. Yeah. yeah. Bingo. Yeah. In the most yeah meaningful way possible. Mm-hmm. The marriage helps you get there yeah. a little bit and then children get you the rest of the way. Accelerate it. Yeah. So it's not really a habit. Um, 
not a direct answer to your question, but I'd say out of all the things I do, um, you know, making sure I put aside meaningful time to be with them mm-hmm. is the most important one. I, I don't really go to the gym, you know, I, I read in the mornings. That's probably the only other habit I have. And I, I take care of myself in terms of what I eat, but yeah. otherwise my kids, man. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I love it. Were there any books or resources or podcasts that were like really helpful or instrumental or, mm. or that you recommend all the time? Like, Hmm. I've read so many. Um, in the early days, the, so the podcast I listened to, I'm sure everybody's listened to it. If you listen to podcasts, it's, um, I don't listen to it anymore. What's it called? Um, it's the Guy Raz podcast where he interviews mm-hmm. the, How I Built, this. How I built yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. So that was in the early days was really kind of influential for me. There are a lot of e-commerce podcasts that I listen to that, you know, wouldn't be helpful to mention, but, um, uh, books, books, um, I had a great answer. I don't have a good answer. Shoe Dog, you mentioned that one earlier. That's uh-huh. a great book. Yeah. Um, just any, any. so for me, what I do is I, I dissect and I study people's stories, kind of like what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to take out little pieces that I can apply to, to me. And so... And you're doing that like reading a biographies? Books, or? biographies, podcasts, TV shows. Like when I watch yeah. the Hulu thing about, you know, it's like I'm more interested in like dissecting this guy than I am yes. about the entertainment and like just what can I learn from this situation? So was there any like leaders that you dissected that were really inspiring or companies or? Um, no, no. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Come well, no, on. But it sounds like <laughs> yeah. on Twitter and there's other spheres where yeah. it's instead of, you know, shooting for the stars, looking at, um, somebody who's, I don't know. So a million steps ahead. Yeah. It sounds like you found some grounding and people who are a few, one That's or true. two steps ahead and, and were a little bit more tangible and kind of a realistic person to lay eyes on for a season. If, yes. You know, that that's makes- absolutely true. Um, and that's a good point. So like, my book is Twitter, basically. Yeah. And it sounds silly. If you're not on Twitter, you, you don't understand, but get on Twitter. Yeah. There are the smartest people you know, and also people just like you trying to do what you're doing, yeah. who will take time out of their day. You've kind of found this community. And you're yeah. a good writer. I, I was looking at some of your tweets. You. Like he's he's witty you. and concise yeah. and fun and playful. It's a, it's a really, you know, if you have a niche, you can find friends there on Twitter. Yeah. And like I have... It sounds silly, but I have best friends I've met on Twitter. I love that. Um, and mentors and, you know, um, Chris Powers. I don't know if you've had him on the podcast, but, you mm-hmm. know, he's uh, here in Fort Worth. He's on Twitter, a great person to follow on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few Fort Worth entrepreneurs on, on Twitter. So mm-hmm. that's cool. Um, do you have any questions? Like- no, I'm just curious. I mean, I, I love what you're sharing about the incubator and just... Mm-hmm seems like you're in a season where you have a lot to offer, a lot to give. And obviously you want to, your first fruits are going to go to your family, but yeah. outside of that, just ways that you want to spend your time and, and invest, it seems like in others, or at least that's what I'm pulling from a lot yeah. of what you said that you actually enjoy helping other people. Yeah. Yeah. I've been helped a lot as I've talked about by other people and like, and literally, so I just think the guy yesterday who I haven't talked to in five years since we had this conversation, but just a phone call can change somebody's trajectory. Mm. And it may be like some silly thing that you don't even think is really meaningful, but like to that person or to me at the time, it's very meaningful. And so like, I, I don't want to forget that sometimes I forget that I, you know, I have experiences that I can share with people that to me seem like, 
oh, that's not really helpful. You know, I don't feel helpful in the moment, but to them it may be extremely helpful. So I'd love to um, just kind of pay forward. You know, I've been blessed a lot. And um, so that's kind of what I'm hoping to do with kind of the next phase of my career is um, see what I can do to help people and make space for that. So like, I don't work Fridays anymore. So I like, I've made space for like, not only my kids, but, but doing other things, either at my mm-hmm. church or through, through other organizations as well. And do you have anything else on the horizon other than this sort of mission of, I want to help people because people help me any other like ambitions or yeah. like even like legacy, like what do you, you know, 10 years from now? Yeah. Um, so that's, so it's funny you say that. Um, I read something yesterday that was helpful for me. It said that talking about people who sell their business, like, and kind of struggle in this, after um the advice i read was if your 10-year goals aren't connected to your six-month goals then you're gonna like feel aimless in the world so like i mm. and i read that i was like that really makes a lot of sense because like when i was building supply it was like a 10-year goal that was like tangible today mm. yeah and so now it's like the answer is i have no idea but <laughs> uh, i'm working on figuring that out um like i want to do everything from like Writing, writing a book about raising a family, which is completely not related to what I'm doing now, to like, I talked about starting a mobile home park. Like, there's like, oh, everything's really? on okay. the table now. Yeah. Uh, you talked I'm a no, lot about jewelry because jewelry, of the margins. Jewelry. So I mean, men's jewelry, you know. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, the answer is I don't know. I think part of me, like, is looking forward to just having a job and just kind of going to that job uh-huh. and, like, for a little while, but I think I'll be itching to like start something again in the near future. Yeah. We'll see. I'm still very young. Um, so I got a lot of, a lot of, a lot, lot of time, space, a lot, lot of, time. of time ahead yeah. of you. And and just the idea of legacy, like what, what do you yeah. want people to remember or, or, or not remember is the right word, but just what do you yeah. kind of hope your legacy is? Yeah. When I think about legacy, I really don't think about, take this for however it comes across. I don't really think about other people. I think about my children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I think about legacy, I don't think about what do people think of me? I think about who are those little girls going to yeah. be in 20 years yeah. and what do I need to do to, to, to make sure. And like, we don't control what, who our children mm-hmm. become, but like to provide the environment and the teaching to make sure that they, they have the best um, opportunity for them. So I think a lot about them. That's kind of the phase I'm in right now. They're two mm-hmm. and four. So that's the phase I'm in. Maybe a different answer uh, in five or six years. But um, that's what I think about is. Yeah, I love mm-hmm. that. Like, I don't know if you've ever read Habits of a Household yep. or yep. Y- do you do EOS? Mm-hmm. at? Um, uh-huh. I have this idea about there needs to be EOS for families. So EOS mm-hmm. is like the structure on how you run your operating operate system. Your business. Yeah. It changed my business. Yeah. Level 10. Yeah. Like l- weekly meetings and like same me, page meetings with your spouse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you gotta yeah. have a level t- then like, but our families should have vision and 10 year visions and like one year visions and like our families should have mission statements and, mm-hmm. and visions and values. And I don't really have any of those they're all up here, but I don't have them yeah. written down for my family. So, like, that's kind of my next project I love, I right love now. That. Okay, you're um, speaking the ice love language yeah. over here. <laughs> we, Do y'all we, have all that? Oh, yeah, yeah. We have, like, a mission statement. Did you just make our values. kids have, have it memorized, which is pretty. There you go. Yeah. That's, like, the goal. And we have is, things that we do every day. So did and you, just, did you just kind of make all that up, or did you follow, like, a plan? or We kind of, I did it for my own life. Yeah. I have, like, well, one, three, ten-year goals, yeah. and I have, like, these declarate daily declarations of yeah. things I believe about myself and who I want to be that I read to myself. Yeah. And we, and we had, 
you know, once a year we we sort of set family goals. But this habits habits of the household is a fantastic yeah. book. If you yeah. haven't read it, yeah. we read through that. But we we spent some time. We, we try to go on like a a, a fun kind of couples trip a couple times a year, and mm-hmm. then just the two of us. And try yeah. to do like one vision trip yeah. a year. Yeah. So we like we did the cliche road trip, except it was in Colorado. But <laughs> <laughs> so we did like a trip together where we kind of like what yeah. what should our family values be? Yeah. And, when was that? Was that recently? Or? It was two years ago, November of 2020. Yeah. And we were the, I'm like, we're such, I don't know, entrepreneurs because we went on this beautiful hike in Aspen. <laughs> Jamie brought his laptop and at some point at the top, we summited, he pulled out his laptop and we started writing down our values. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm See, like, I, the people walking by are like, this is not the point. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was inspiring yeah. and we were together and focused on our marriage and what do we want our family to look like? Yeah. And we wanted to be in an inspiring environment to curate some of those things. But it's funny. There, there are a lot of people that don't have the, and this isn't, this is just personality. This mm-hmm. isn't like talking bad about people. They just don't have the vision or the ability to like kind of plan that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And like same for EOS for me and my business. Like I didn't know how to set up my business for success. And so I just kind of followed what this book said. So mm-hmm. I, I would, you know. I love the idea of so, like an EOS for. Yeah. There needs to be some kind of habits of the household gets you there part of the way. Of. But it doesn't give you like the structure like the yeah. EOS structure does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the kind of tactical. Yeah. I love that idea. How do I set a mission for my family? Where do I even start? Like most people, like if I have trouble with that as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. probably most people have trouble with that. Yeah. Um, and so, what, what routines, you know, what, what yeah. should you do? Like what? So I, we'll see. I haven't talked about that with anybody except for Jennifer a little bit. So we'll see. <laughs> I, love, I think it's a need. That's so right. It is a need. I don't know if anybody else is doing that. Yeah. And we should edit this part out so no yeah, one steals it. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you steal it, just send me the book because I'd love <laughs> okay. to read it. Um, but all that to say, you know, I'm sure I'll want to start something in the future. I, I have no idea what it is. It won't be Razor Company because um, I've already done that. And I'm, I can't legally do it again, but uh-huh. uh, <laughs> maybe we'll do something else. Yeah. Well, man, this was great. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for sharing your story. And congrats. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Making Fort Worth proud. It's don't, awesome. Don't tell Jimmy, but I'm glad he couldn't make it. Today. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. And <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah. we're big fans of just what you and Jennifer have done. And um, it's just neat, like Jamie was saying, to have people that we can cheer on that are in our hometown, in our neighborhood. Yeah. Um, who are doing really amazing things. And so thanks for making margin for us today. I know it's not Friday, but you still came. We appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate y'all having me. Cool. Congratulations. You made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Stories with Soul. If you enjoyed the interview and like what you heard, please help us out and share, subscribe, and like anywhere you listen to podcasts. When you share and subscribe, it is insanely helpful and allows us to keep producing new episodes. You can always join us directly in the studio by watching the video version on our website, 6thavstorytelling.com. Stories with Soul is brought to you by 6 Ave Storytelling, an organic marketing company building standout brands on the foundation of story. You're obsessed with your business and we want to make the world obsessed with it too. Thanks for listening.